Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you. Welcome to another edition of the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam Radio, a show where we take an analytical look at how we can achieve peace, whether that be political peace, economic peace, societal peace or inner peace. I invite you to get involved in the conversation here on the Pathway to Peace show. You can do this by posting on the X platform at Voice of Islam UK using the hashtag VOI Peace. That's VOI for Voice of Islam, followed by the word peace. Hashtag VOI Peace to let us know your thoughts, comments, and feedback. Welcome to today's show where we hope to delve into the profound inspiration and resilience uh, and faith exhibited by the Palestinian people. The past months have unfurled a tragic tapestry of suffering prominently marked by the relentless bombardment orchestrated by the Netanyahu government upon the resilient people of Gaza, with the death toll now surpassing a staggering latest figure shows that it's approaching almost 18,000 at the time of Uh, the live airing of this very program. 18,000 lives, a vast number, have been innocent children, mothers, fathers, sisters, and brothers. The human toll of this conflict is immeasurable. Each casualty represents, and it's important to know this, that each casualty that we see on our screens is not just a number, but a shattered family left to mourn, and in some cases, Uh, very few members of the family. There's so many images, so many devastating uh, things that are being shown uh, on our screens, whether that be on our devices or on our TV screens. In the face of this turmoil, however, the global community has rallied for a ceasefire, a collective plea for an end to the heart-wrenching scenes that have inundated our screens. However, amidst the tragedy, there has emerged a narrative of inspiration which is truly heartwarming and their stories of courage, perseverance, and unwavering faith that have left an indelible mark on the collective consciousness of the world at large. As we explore this very poignant topic today, I am joined as always by my esteemed co-host and peaceful pal, Mr. Arif Khan. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Before we delve into the narratives of inspiration arising from this conflict, I'm curious, Arif, about your thoughts in particular on the distinctive role you feel social media has played in shaping our understanding of this conflict between Israel and Gaza as compared to the wars of the past. Walaikum Islam. Please be upon you as well, Sufyan. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, I mean... I think a lot of uh, negativity is, is uh, let's talk about social media. There's been a lot of negativity over the past two decades, maybe around social media and and uh, all of the, the challenges it presents. But if you think about what it is in essence, it is saying that anyone can share a story, can share their opinion. Now, And when you have situations where it's difficult to get to the truth 
and there's a phrase that the first casualty of war is always the truth. You know, social media is, is, is a way that has been able to present narrative from far, from places right in, sometimes in the heart of the these war zones. And it, it's a way that the message has been able to get out. I think we're hearing often the people on, on social media right now who are presenting from inside Gaza um, and presenting the Palestinians' experience are people that are, some of them are oppressed, but some are just individuals who've, who have become almost war correspondents because of their consistent um, you know, their consistency in putting out material onto onto social media. Maybe this is a you know, maybe this is something I need to reflect on. You know, I've always seen TikTok as a, I've drawn the line at TikTok. That's the one platform I was like, no, do you know what? This is just about the youth and and these short videos and and things like that. You know, historically, it's a, it's a platform with this real short form content. And I thought, you know, what is the world coming to? But actually, it's TikTok, which we will talk about. TikTok seems to be the platform which has had the most um, amount of traffic from a social media point of view in terms of people sharing their experience uh, you know on the front line and it's been invaluable for us to see the reality of you know what's going on that the conditions that the Palestinians are living in some of the eyewitness accounts of the destruction but also experiences about you know showing land that they've been told to go and and move to showing the real condition of that land you know it's it's been eye opening and without them without social media you know we would have a really have struggled to try and understand what's really going on here yeah, just the the way that this conflict has unfolded and the way that the Israeli government has uh, shut off resources, electricity being the, the major thing, especially when it comes to social media, food, water, all of that stuff. Uh, it's just been so difficult to even get any kind of correspondence with people in Gaza. But as you mentioned there, Arif, the individual folks that are actually living there and and regularly produce content have become so vital in this conflict in giving us a glimpse into the devastation that is taking place there. And we can only imagine what they're actually going through. What we see on our screens is only a short clip. And as you mentioned, uh, a major platform that has been playing a pivotal role in this conflict has been TikTok. And the Review of Religions... Uh, magazine that you can check out online as well at thereviewofreligions.org, recently published an article that is actually very inspirational uh, where it narrated a few stories which struck me as a reader, Arif, and I want to share one here. Uh, Quoting from the article, uh, it says, We see a woman walking next to her relatives on a field of debris surrounded by blocks of concrete. She's explaining to her relative Uh, To him, it says that as long as they keep being patient and maintain their faith, Allah will allow them to rebuild it again and better than before. After praising God, she tells him that no matter how he tests them, that is no matter how God tests them, whether it be through sickness or the destruction of their homes, they should always praise Allah. Emotion then overwhelms her as they both embrace each other, unquote. Now, or if to a vast majority of people in the vast majority of people in Gaza are Muslims. And of course, the holy book that all of us as Muslims turn to as kind of our instruction manual for life is the Holy Quran. And if I were to venture a wild guess, and this is purely a wild guess, Uh, that I made based on reading this incident 
it really exemplifies chapter 2, verse 156, which we actually talk quite a bit about here on the Pathway to Peace show. And that verse of the Quran is from Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2. And it reads, And we will try you with something of fear, hunger, loss of wealth, and lives and fruits, but give glad tidings to the patient. I find this incident just narrated in this Revere Religions article like almost an embodiment of this verse. What do you think, Arif? Yeah, it is. I mean, we remember we we covered the fact this verse, when, during the pandemic, we spoke about this verse, didn't we? We spoke about how all of the elements of fear, hunger, loss of wealth, lies and fruits, we were saying how it's so poignant reading this verse. It feels like this verse is talking about the modern day because we were talking about during COVID, the lockdowns and the implications. And now, and this is a beautiful quality of the Holy Quran. Now we're looking at another incident and the verse again seems like it's related directly to that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the, the believers are warned in a way or maybe warned is the wrong word, prepared, prepared for struggles, prepared for the things that, you know, we will try you. God talks about, we will try you. You know, the Muslim Islamic belief is that this world is a test effectively to see how how we will respond under different conditions. And even if you look at the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, which I know we'll go into in more detail, he went through all all the different trials and tribulations. He went through the full range. There were times when, you know, he was on his own and uh, there was no one around him he could uh, rely on, and he was he was very much alone. He had members of his family die. There were other times when he was, a, a, you know, a king and a, a ruler, not just of a spiritual empire but a physical um, area as well. Where he was a ruler as well, so he had the full range of different experiences, and uh, you know, he was able to show as a model how we should behave in each of those different phases. And this verse of the Quran, as you highlighted, just prepares the believers that you will be tested sometimes through hunger, loss of wealth, lives and your fruits. But, uh, you know, there's a glad tiding here to the patient. Patience is what we are exhorted to do. Yeah. And there is actually a hadith of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him. That's uh, I believe it was also mentioned in this same article. Um, or if not, it was something that uh, I heard in a recent Friday sermon by a local missionary. Um, and the Hadith is as follows. If Allah wants to do good to somebody, he afflicts him with trials. Now, on the surface, this is very, very, um, like, almost contradictory. Like, you think if you love somebody, you inflict them with, with, with trials. But actually, what we see with in with the people of Palestine is they have so much faith in God and in their in their faith in their religion that they fall back on and this is I think what is keeping them so strong they fall back on these verses of the Quran and the incidences from the life of the Holy Prophet many of which we will share uh, later on in the program as well but this this hadith also really struck me that if Allah wants to do good to someone, he afflicts him with trials, basically saying that um, in order to, uh, the, the reason why God inflicts us with trials, as you mentioned, Arif, is that it gives the believer a chance to show patience mm-hmm. and for, then, for God to then uh, give him more bounties and more blessings. Uh, but on the surface, just reading that is almost contradictory. Yeah, exactly. And it's... It's it's a challenging subject, um, but effectively, if if we want to demonstrate that you know the the qualities, if this world as Muslims believe is a trial, and it's all around showing and demonstrating your steadfastness, your love of God, 
uh, you know, how when you are tested, you still remain true. Well, how can you do that if you live this, you know, simple life where or perfect life where you're never in any challenges, you never have any trouble, you never there's never any conflict between you unless you're tempted by these things, unless you're given wealth and haven't then have it taken away. How can we test whether what you how you will behave in, in uh, times of wealth and poverty, for example, just to take the money angle? I think what's also interesting as well, if we apply the lens of uh, the business world, Again, you'll hear people talking about what you learn from the most are those, you know, those growth opportunities are when you're struggling, when something goes wrong or when there's failure. And that's something you see so often on LinkedIn. And, and, you know, it's quite almost become fashionable to talk about this idea that it's only through struggling or challenging or pushing yourself and failing that you grow as a human being. Um, I heard one one of these uh, career coaches describe it as, you know, every muscle in the body if you think uh, you're going to the gym, you're training a muscle. You're physically, you're re- you're going through a repeated action that builds up strength, which then means when you need to use it, it's there. And it's the same with these kind of uh, spiritual aspects as well. It's like you build resilience by going through difficult times, coming back, and and also it's a test, as is mentioned in the Holy Quran, as God has, has warned us, you will be tested. And so it's you know it's it's those kind of things that really test us, uh, but then make us stronger ultimately in terms of our faith. Indeed. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam. Be sure to follow at Voice of Islam on X, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok using the hashtag VOIPs to send us your thoughts, comments, and feedback. So that was just one example of many examples that there are, and there are countless more. Uh, we, w- we probably won't even have uh, the time to go through all and each and every one of them because there's just so many. But if you go to as Arif said, TikTok, you can find hundreds, if not thousands of incidences. And we're just going to take a small snapshot of, of some of these over the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Um, but before sharing more incidents, I want to share uh, the impact of these clips, uh, like the story that we just shared from the Review of Religions article and these various TikTok clips um, that have been impacting not just Muslims, but also non-Muslims, and particularly here in the West. Now, there was a recent article in The Guardian, uh, so even papers here in the UK are picking up on it, and one example mentioned in the article in The Guardian is of a woman, young lady uh, named Megan B. Rice, age 34, from the city of Chicago in the USA. And she says, quote, I wanted to talk about the faith of Palestinian people, how it's so strong, and they still find room to make it a priority to thank God, even when they have everything taken away from them. This quote really stood out to me. And it just like even a person living in Chicago that isn't a Muslim, that doesn't didn't even come from a religious background, uh, and she talks about that later on. She is impacted by this, by how the Palestinian people have found the strength uh, through this conflict and how they always make it a priority uh, to thank God. You know, Arif, um, give us your thoughts on how Islam teaches us to always thank God regardless of our situation and something that we've kind of already alluded to anyway. But um, if you can expand on that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a key part of the faith really that it's it's all well and good. Um, you know, the Quran talks about people who only call on God when they are in a state of fear. 
There are some who only when they when it, only when they're in a state of fear, maybe on their deathbed, suddenly then they remember God. Whereas what the Muslims are exhorted to do is like be cheerful, be grateful to God in times of happiness and in times of trial. So it's that consistency um, that you know that Muslims are taught that even as they are you know struggling, they should be grateful. When things are going well for them, they should be grateful to God because that is a different kind of gratitude. Something that you're constantly, regardless of what how things are going, if you if you're eternally constantly grateful then you know, it shows that there is a permanent bond there. It's not just because of what's happening to you that day or that week that's driving your emotion. There's something much longer term. For example, if you think about the love a parent between a parent and a child, you know, that's something that's such a strong bond that whether that relationship between the two is in a good state, a bad state, if one is you know, challenging the other one or if there's a, a tension or a fight there, there's still that underlying bond and that love. And that's what Muslims are exhorted to have with their with the God ultimately have the, the best relationship with God. So no matter what um, condition or experience they're going through, they keep that consistency um, of that, you know, that, that love and happiness as well. Smiling is actually a part of Islamic faith. It's a teaching. There are sayings that some of the companions said, we've never saw someone smile as much as, as the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yeah, that's that's such a great example. And in another hadith, uh, the Holy Prophet is said to have um, mentioned that the smile is actually a form of charity, uh, which is uh, uh, really comforting, uh, especially um, you know when you have nothing else to give, the least you can do is offer a smile. And there was another verse of the Holy Quran uh, that I think gives people hope in a time of despair. I really like this verse. It's chapter 42, verse 29. It says, He it is who sends rain after they have despaired and distributes his mercy, for he is the protector and the praiseworthy. And I think this is why we see in the Palestinian people, and feel free to chime in here, or if the, the, there's there's so many verses in the Quran where, where God kind of gives gives the believer hope that you know after this trial I will there there will be um, ease you know and there's other verse that we quote so often here on the pathway to peace show after after um, hardship comes ease uh, and this verse is just another example of that where God is talking about sending rain uh, after they have despaired and it reminds me of a video that I saw on social media I, I don't remember the platform but it was basically uh, soon after the conflict has started there was a there was a small boy and it started raining in, in Gaza and this boy had his bucket out and he was trying to catch the rain obviously the 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 government in Israel had shut off their water supply so they were doing everything they can and and and, and that to me was very touching but it also is kind of an embodiment of this that you know here we had uh, the 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 Israeli government turning off the water in Gaza, yet God sent rain in its physical form, and and that theme of um, you know religious scriptures. I mean, if you think about the history of religion, it's it's always it's a prophet who brings this message originally. So first of all, the pattern is very similar, and God talks about this in the Holy Quran as well. That every time a messenger is sent to you, the people reject that messenger and they revolt and they don't accept him. So there's a pattern of chosen ones of God trying to explain to the people about what the message that they've been given from God as prophets, they relay that message and they're typically rejected. And even when they do have acceptance from members of society, they normally start off quite small and they face a lot of persecution. Every prophet I can think of has had to go through persecution at different times. So 
it's no coincidence that one of the core messages of religion is all around trying to, um, you know, the, uh, reassure and and strengthen the faith of people because it will always come under test. The prophets themselves are tested, and also the early followers and the other followers are tested. So, for example, if in the Christian tradition as well, like the early days of Christianity are marked by Christians being facing a lot of persecution. Um, and you know, having to take refuge in in caves and things like this, and then also uh, until the third or fourth century, when Christianity became almost a state religion under the Romans, and similarly with the the time of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, with Islam as well. You know, the early Muslims and the Holy Prophet were heavily persecuted. So, as part of the religious scripture and the revelation coming down, part of it is teaching and laws, but a, a good body of it as well is also resilience and giving, you know, strengthening the faith of uh, the believers by telling them that, you know, God is there and, and there will be times of challenge, but there will be ease after that eventually. Yeah. Now, coming back to Megan in the Guardian article that we were talking about just moments ago, and she didn't stop at just uh, noticing that uh, the Palestinian people are strong in their faith and, and giving God priority and thanking God at, at all at all times and no matter what the situation she took it a step further she so as i mentioned earlier she was she didn't come from a religious background but uh what she did next is is quite amazing particularly if you keep in mind that she, she wasn't uh of a religious inc- inclination uh, she started a world religions book club so previously she was doing other book clubs uh, and I forget exactly what kind of book club she was running, but it wasn't of a religious nature at all before before this whole uh, conflict and before the Palestinian people sparked her interest. Um, but she started this religious book club on Discord, another social media platform, allowing people to study the Holy Quran as she went on this journey. And what ended up happening was that the more she read the Holy Quran the more she realized that it actually aligned with her own core beliefs. And she actually ended up converting to Islam. Now, setting aside the fact that she converted to Islam, just the fact that it, she, the more she read, the more she felt it aligned with her own beliefs is something that really struck me because it's like here you have a girl in Chicago, right, and really not of, of any kind of, religious persuasion doesn't isn't really into religion but she opens this strange book strange book for her in a foreign language um, reads the translation of it and then realizes that actually you know what what this book is telling me is actually making a whole lot of sense and is actually aligning with uh, what I believe already how powerful is that art and I couldn't have predicted that as from happening, you know, that wasn't one of the things I remember. And I think you mentioned it as well in your research. You remember around 9-11, there were, around the time of the September 11th terrorist attacks, there was a massive increase in people um, studying Islam. If mm. you remember when we interviewed Dr. Craig Considine, uh, we spoke to him a few times, he said that was where his interest originally came up because he wanted to, you know, he saw this event and he wanted to learn more. Now, what's really interesting back then you know, there were these terrorists that had claimed to be inspired by the Quran. And that was why people were delving into this book to say, oh, what's going on in this book? That was why they initially opened the book. When they analyzed it, they found a completely different set of beliefs and it attracted many people to convert to Islam. What's happening now is is similar but different. Here it's yeah. the fact that actually people are seeing something wonderful and beautiful and inspiring in the spirit of the Palestinian people and trying to understand where has this come from? And so it's that curiosity that's inspiring them. And I would say, look, anyone listening to this show, 
I can who hasn't had the chance to to ever read any of the Holy Quran, I'd recommend that they do that. I know, as you mentioned, it's written in Arabic, which can be you know something that is a little bit intimidating. But translations are available in over a hundred languages. They could go to the Al Islam website. Um, alislam.org alislam.org and from there there's multiple different translations commentaries of the Holy Quran choose some of the small chapters just read some of it because there is a unique aspect to the Holy Quran people often believe that you know it will be similar to say the Bible or um, you know the Jewish scriptures but for me the, the Holy Quran is the only religious scripture I've ever seen that is written directly as in the first person it's direct revelation so there are entire sections when God speaks as God directly. So, and I haven't come across something else that has that that unique characteristic and quality. So it's very easy to be impressed by the Holy Quran because it covers such a vast array of topics. Whether that's you know there's the religious and spiritual side. God talks about atheists a lot in the Holy Quran. There are scientific elements and scientific angles that, that describe the you know the creation of the universe, and then there's other verses as you just touched on as the main part of the show, which are you know it's almost like it's a self help book at the same time. It provides the mechanisms by which to come close to God. It provides items for us to introspect. It highlights elements of human nature. It talks about how man is weak, how man does fall and fail. But it provides hope in terms of a message of, of continuing as well. So within packed into those 114 chapters is so much knowledge and wisdom that I'm not surprised that once people opened it and start to delve into it, they were inspired to learn more. Uh, but I, I am surprised, you know, the way that this opened up was is really interesting. And it will be fascinating to see if this, uh, you know, this trend continues. Um, and I think, you know, I really hope more people do read the Quran. I hope they look past some of the kind of the misconceptions they may have or the, that, you know, the, the propaganda around Islamophobia, things like that, and actually take time. Even if it's just 15 minutes, you just open the book and have a look and read some of the verses and see if, if they can relate to it. And the last thing I'll say, even from a poetic point of view, mm. it's poetic even in the way it's written, the rhythms, even not just in Arabic, but also in the English, the repetition and the way it's written. It has a beauty of its own, even just at the, the, the word level. Even if you ignore the meaning for a second, just read the words of it as well. There's an eloquence and melody and a, uh, you know pure poetry to it as well. So it can be appreciated on so many, so many different levels. Uh, so yeah, I hope this incident we just talked about will inspire others, those listening to the show maybe who have never read the Quran, to just go and have a look at uh, a few verses. Yeah, I hope that's not the last thing you're going to say because we still have about 30 minutes left on this program here on the Pathway to Peace show. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And you brought up poetry there, Arif. And, and it's important to note uh, for anyone that's not familiar that at the, where, when the Quran was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, poetry was a big thing to the Arabs. So the fact that this was revealed and it was so poetic was actually what struck the hearts of a lot of the Arabs at that time. Yeah, the oral tradition as well, the idea of memorization as well. But if you, there, there's um, a social experiment that the Review Religions team did on online where they would have someone, uh, do you remember this? The, someone would hold a banner saying, um, listen to my song. Yeah. And someone would come up to them and they'd just ask them to recite something, listen yeah. to something. And sometimes it was the call to prayer. Other times it was Arabic verses or Quranic verses. And you know how strong the YouTube algorithm is. Once you watch a video of someone reciting the Quran to a Western audience who don't understand it uh, and see their reaction, then YouTube feeds you more and more. So I got mm. into watching a lot of videos about of um, these people who stand like buskers almost in the middle of the street, no instruments, and all they do is they recite the Quran. And even those people who can't understand the actual words of it, 
they have an emotional reaction to it. There is something about the melody. There's something about the phrases that are used that impacts and seems to ha- get right through to to the heart of people. And then analyzing the meaning is another layer on top of that. Looking into the history of how it's been um, communicated through the centuries is another aspect. And then also, you know, like I said, science, religion, philosophy. Uh, you know, so- social issues, everything is encompassed in that book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned Arif, uh, earlier uh, the, about 9-11 and kind of comparing and contrasting. There there was a, a associate professor at Yale, Mr. Zarina Grewal, who actually picked up on that as well. And there was a quote uh, from her in this Guardian article that we've been referencing. Uh, and I just want to take a minute to read this quote. Uh, She said, the difference is that in this moment, uh, she's comparing 9-11 and people picking up the Quran after 9-11. And the reason she said, before this quote, sorry, uh, she said that the Quran became a bestseller. And there's evidence of that if you look in the uh, days and weeks following 9-11. But people were picking up the Quran at that time to kind of confirm their own biases and show that, okay, well, what we saw in 9-11 was in fact a representation of the Quran and let me back it up by showing you, by opening their book and showing you some verses from this book that kind of support that. And Ms. Zarina Grewal is saying now that there's a distinct difference, as you alluded to, Arif, there's a distinct difference between the reason why people were picking up the Quran after 9-11 and why they're picking it up now after seeing what's going on in uh, Gaza. And she said, quote, the difference is that in this moment, people are not turning to the Quran to understand the October 7th attack by Hamas. Rather, they, she continues, they are turning to the Quran to understand the incredible resilience, faith, moral strength, and character they see in Muslim Palestinians. So there's a distinct difference now as to the reasons why people are picking up the Quran and the mindset has almost shifted. You know, after what we've seen uh, in the media, what transpired with 9-11, what transpired in in the days, years after 9-11, um, there's a different mindset and a different mentality. And of course, as we're talking about here on the show, the impact of social media has just gotten so big that uh, people have other sources, people have other places to go now. Uh, and I think this is a good point to kind of play a clip that we found on uh, YouTube. And it kind of t- talks to the fact and it has snippets of uh, the... Uh, various videos and uh, some of the stories that we've been sharing with you here on the Pathway to Peace show. So let's take a listen to that. I literally just started reading the Quran out of curiosity and now I'm hooked. (laughs) Literally, I started reading it because I was so curious about what is this faith that the Palestinian people have. It's something so deep and so profound that I literally, I was just drawn to learn more about Islam. So I started reading the Quran the other day and I swear it's answering the exact questions I had in my mind about what's happening in Palestine right now. Like how can God allow these things to happen? And so I'm reading here 
from the Quran, the first chapter, it says here, God is not unaware of what you do. And it says, when you Israelites killed someone and tried started to blame one another, God brought to light what you concealed. Literally, there was um, a hospital that was bombed and Israel tried to blame Palestine. Um, they said that Hamas bombed themselves. And it says here, God brought to light what you concealed. And the truth came out later about what actually happened. And that Israel claimed that they did it. And then they took it back later when they saw all of the destruction that happened from it and from the public outcry. And another thing that I really, really needed to hear, um, it says here, um, yeah, you shall not shed each other's blood nor turn your people out of their homes. You consented to this and bore witness. Yet here you are slaying one another and driving some of your own people from their homelands. Literally, exactly the situation that's going on right now is spoke about in the Quran in the first chapter. Like it literally answered my questions that were on my mind and like i feel peace in my heart and i'm not muslim i'm actually christian and i just started reading this out of curiosity so you are listening to the pathway to peace show here on the voice of islam be sure to follow at voice of islam on x instagram facebook and tiktok use the hashtag voips to send us your thoughts comments and feedback Arif what did we just hear can you unpack that for us just a bit yeah I mean it's uh, like I uh, said at the start of the show actually the Quran has this one of its unique qualities is it's timeless and we believe that it's a guidance for all mankind for all times and, and there's certain topics when you read them and I gave the verse the example with the verse at the start of the show where it talked about how we will be tried by uh, let me read the verse actually to get it exactly right so it was, um, and we will try you. So this is um, verse 156 of chapter 2 of the Holy Quran. It says, and we will try you with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and lives and fruits, but give glad tidings to the patient. Now, what I was, end of quote, what I was saying at the start of the show was when we were in the time of COVID three or four years ago, three years ago during lockdowns, we read that verse and it was as if the verse was being, had just been revealed about the situation we were in right then. Um, and now when we're in talking about Palestine, the situation, again, a verse like that feels like it applies so strongly back at, back to, you know, the events happening in front of us. Um, and I think what we heard on this clip was, you know, uh, this individual who thought that there was certain verses of the Quran that applied today. I mean, that's her personal opinion. Um, but I think the main lesson from this was actually that by reading the Quran, the words had a profound effect on her to the point where it made her inquisitive to learn more and more about Islam. And right at the start of the clip, she talked about how, you know, questions that she had in her mind or in her heart, she felt were answered by the verses of the Holy Quran. And that's something all of us can relate to. I think even in our daily lives, sometimes you're reading the Quran and you feel like, Do you know what? The verses I just read here, this message, maybe I've read it a hundred times before, but I needed to hear this today. It's a strong reminder about the way the universe works, the way God works, the, the 
what we are taught as Muslims to believe and how we are almost coached um, through the trials and tribulations of this life. So I think that was the major takeaway really was that she found peace in her heart from reading the verses and the specific verses of the Holy Quran. And I hope she continues to learn more and more about the Quran. Yeah, it's it was a, a really inspiring clip, um, you know, regardless of who you are. She makes it very clear there at the end uh, that she's not a Muslim. She's a Christian by faith. Um, this conflict has led her to open up this book. And uh, she shared some of her thoughts and her opinions on uh, the book uh, for all Muslims, the same book that the Palestinians are getting comfort and peace from at this very uh, tumultuous time in uh, human history. Uh, there was another TikTok video that was shared and narrated uh, in the Review of Religions article that we talked about at the top of the program as well, where a man was standing on a field of debris in front of a group of buildings that had been destroyed, and he is smiling to the person talking to him, and he tells uh, him that they are fortunate that his family is safe and he and praises Allah, God, for that by kissing his finger and pointing to the sky. Now, again, this is to, to casual observer, it's just a guy raising a finger, but if you think about this in the perspective from an Islamic perspective, where have we seen the raising of a finger in Islamic history? And this kind of takes us on nicely, segue into uh, kind of the second half of our program, Arif, um, where if you remember the time where Hazrat Bilal, one of the companions of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, uh, used to be tortured by his master. And uh, there are narrations and stories of him uh, being asked to deny or reject uh, the oneness of God. And he was put down on the hot sand with rocks on his chest and 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 beat on his bare back. Uh, but he would remain resilient in the face of that torture uh, from his master. And there are narrations that he would raise his finger and uh, say the word Ahad, Ahad, which means one. There is one God, there is one God. Uh, so this resilience that we see today in this incident actually takes us as Muslims back to the time of uh, Hazrat Bilal, one of the dearest companions of the, the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. So just for the benefit of our listeners, the story goes that, uh, you know, he was beaten and tortured by his master, but then uh, there came a point in time where I believe, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Arf, it was Hazrat Abu Bakr, uh, peace be upon him, who actually bought uh, Bilal from from his master and then he was freed as a slave and later on became um, one of the dearest companions of the Prophet, uh, so much so that the Prophet nominated him to make the first call for prayer. So the beautiful call for prayer that we also alluded to earlier when Arif was talking about some of the videos that the Review of Religions team has been uh, putting out on social media um, about hearing my song. One of those songs was actually the call to prayer. And you often hear it play, being played here on uh, the Voice of Islam as well. So uh, let's move now into a area 
that is near and dear to your heart, Arif, and you've done quite a, a, extensive research on kind of other examples from a historical perspective now uh, around this whole idea of resilience and, and turning to your faith in a time of need. Yeah, I wanted to look at uh, other traditions or other incidents uh, outside of the you know the conflict that we're talking about right now when Quranic verses or the Quran has provided an inspiration, either direct revelation um, at the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, or you know other revelations such as what uh, revelation received by the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, peace be upon him, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, which were Quranic verses, were references to the Quran or verses that were the same as a Quranic verse. Um, and then also incidents around uh, Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, may God strengthen his hand, the current caliph and, and worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. You know, what about his life as well? Were there times when the Quran provide inspiration for for him as well? So I'll uh, outline a few of these. Um, so I think there were many times, we've talked about it already on the show, that there were many times when the early Muslims were really in a time of trial uh, and they had challenges and they had you know, difficulties. And there was one time in the early history of Islam when there was a gap in revelation. So we know Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, used to receive revelation continually. There came a time where he hadn't had revelation for quite a while and he was concerned and worried about that. And directly in response to that concern, a verse was revealed, chapter 93, verses 2 to 4, that say, By the growing brightness of the forenoon and by the night when it becomes still, thy Lord has not forsaken thee, nor is he displeased with thee. So these verses reassured the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that he hadn't been abandoned in any way by God and that, you know, the, the revelation would continue. So that was one where you can see a direct revelation sent to reassure, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Um, other other verses, I'll give another uh, example, was at the time of uh, battle as well. Um, so there was a time during the battle of uh, Ohud, the battle of the trench. There was a period, you know, where the Muslims were in a real danger. You know, that was a battle that they suffered in quite badly. Um, and at one point during that uh, verse, there was a verse revealed, uh, you know, during that battle, there was a verse revealed that gave the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, comfort, which was around this promise from God. So this is, this is chapter 33, verse 57, and the verse is, Allah and his angels send blessings on the Prophet. O you who believe, you too should invoke the blessings on him and salute him with the salutation of peace. So you can see at this time of difficulty, God is talking about how God and his angels send blessings to the Prophet. God himself is sending blessings to the Prophet. Um, and then it goes on to um, tell the Muslims, invoke the, tell the Muslims to invoke salutations of peace. Uh, towards the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Um, so there are these examples where at different times in the history of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, revelation came down to strengthen his faith. These are just two examples I've given, but there's numerous, hundreds throughout his lifetime. And also the Muslims as well, you know, would have taken much strength from uh, revelation that came down at different times uh, to inspire them um, to kind of really galvanize their belief uh, and to kind of get them to continue on in, you know, in this struggle. You know, the word jihad in an uh, Islamic context is, is misused so often these days and is often associated incorrectly with physical wars. But the word jihad literally means to struggle. And this is the real core struggle is this. It's, you know, despite, you know, maybe people doubting God or lacking faith, can you continue to stay steadfast even in the signs of, you know, the largest um, you know, persecution uh, and difficult times? Um, 
moving on to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. One example that he I, that stuck in my mind from his life was the occasion of uh, Sufyan when his father passed away. Yeah. Really difficult time for him. You know, he was worried about how he would be provided for just from a physical, like in terms of the worldly side. Uh, and obviously a really difficult time. And then there was a verse, uh, there was a revelation directly given to him, which was actually a Quranic verse, which was uh, chapter 39, verse 37, which is a rhetorical question in the Quran. It says, is Allah not sufficient for his servant? Is Allah not sufficient for his servant? And, you know, that verse, the Promised Messiah talked about the how the power with which that revelation came to him ingrained, some, ingrained on his heart forever, so much so that um, he had it engraved it, it, as a ring, a physical ring that he wore, and you know many of us members in the community continue to wear uh, rings with that verse, you know, inscribed, um, inscribed on it to this day in memory of that great, that great revelation. And, and that it's great as such a, you know, even like we were talking earlier, how somebody can read a verse, and you mentioned the verse about or, that we read so much here on the Pathway to Peace show, when we were thinking of it in the context of COVID, it applied and then it applied here. I mean, you think about this verse was revealed to the promised Messiah at the time of the demise of his father. And today this verse is just as applicable to the people of Palestine. That And, and you hear it. I mean, I, I don't have the exact quote, but if you watch the, the clips of the, these Palestinians when they recover a, 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 a live person out of the rubble, the yeah. most recent clip that I've, I've seen even today, uh, and, and they recite these words, and they oftentimes refer to God being sufficient. God is sufficient for us. Uh, so these words are applicable uh, just as much today for the Palestinians as they were then for, for the promised Messiah, peace be upon him as well. Now, you have an interesting example about the current caliph before he became uh, caliph. Uh, tell us about that, Arif. Yeah, so those who know the history of uh, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may God strengthen his hand, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, our, the caliph of the community, might be aware that he actually spent a period of uh, about between 10 to 12 days in prison himself directly. Him and uh, three other members of the community were placed in prison on you know trumped up charges that were eventually dropped but there was a period of time where there was a real concern um you know in terms of his i mean he wasn't the caliph at the time um but you know he was uh, accused of something quite serious and you know the as he goes on to explain it could have had a very serious uh, outcome so what i want to do is uh, he was asked about this period uh, in uh, two question and answer sessions one of them was held on the 8th of november in uh, 2020 and another one looked like it was um, a session with uh, the nasarat the young uh, the the girls in the community in germany the date on YouTube said it was uploaded in 2019, but I wasn't sure exactly when it was recorded. But in these two question and answer sessions, both questioners asked him about this period of time. So let me just uh, read what he had to say on them. One of them, I have the direct quotes and the others uh, was in Urdu. So I just have a, a summary or some of the key points. So in the first one, he was asked, you know, um, by a missionary that how did he, uh, what was his experience as a prisoner, you know, in the way of God? Uh, and this is what he said. He said, what can I tell you? I did not even realize how quickly my days had passed during my time in prison in the way of God. All I could witness were the blessings of Allah. It was a summertime and Allah the exalted would cause the heat to turn into a cool breeze. We remained in jail behind bars without any kind of feelings of worry or stress. In my heart, I knew that the penalty for the false charges that had been brought against me was either life imprisonment or the death penalty. I was going to receive one of the two. 
So I decided that if it was Allah alone who I was going to seek help from, that so, sorry, I decided that it was Allah alone who I was going to seek help from and to win his pleasure. I thought that if I was going to be handed punishment for the sake of the community, then this would be a great blessing indeed. However, Allah the Exalted had decreed something else and he enabled me to be released from jail after 10 to 12 days. So what more can I say? I did not do anything extraordinary. I did nothing. So that was a direct quote. And then in the, sec the second uh, session, which was in Germany, um, he was asked again, how did he pass the time? And he was asked specifically, how could you pray five times a day? Were you able to pray? How did you? So what um, His Holiness uh, explained was, first of all, he said that four of the, it was him and three other men, four of them were in the same room. And he said, we would pray together in congregation. He also highlighted that the day uh, that they would perform the Jummah prayer, which is where a sermon is uh, uh, read out first and specific Arabic sermon is then followed and then specific, you know, the collective prayer is performed. He even, even Jummah prayer was performed during this time. He said the very first day of this whole uh, period was actually a Friday. They were still in the police station at that time, but he was able to offer the Jummah prayer. He said that he himself, of course, <laughs> gave the sermon and then led, led the, the, the Jummah prayer. And he highlighted then, he said, we prayed together. This is throughout the whole 10 days. We prayed together. We offered voluntary prayers and we read the Holy Quran. So those are the things, Sufyan, that really stood out for me. Here's another example of, you know, um, uh, one of God's servants at a time of real trial. And you can see the conviction and the steadfastness in his faith. There was no panic. There was calmness. There was an acceptance of what was happening. But at the same time, there was no uh, you know, erring away from the obligations of prayer. And then also additional voluntary prayers were said as well. And also the study of the Holy Quran, which is completely you know, in line with the whole theme of the show, because the Quran provides such a, is such a source of uh, peace to the hearts. Yeah, and it just goes to show that yeah, while while the main focus of our of our program today has been on the the people of Palestine and their resilience, you can take these examples from the you know of people around the world getting inspiration, getting hope, becoming resilient, having having some strength when all the odds are against them and. Uh, Hazrat Mirza Masur, may God strengthen his hands. While while he was in prison on false charges, you know that was every opportunity to be like, okay, there's no hope, uh, I'm done. But he held on to that hope, and he felt, held on to his faith, and his his firm conviction that no, there is a God that is going to help me. Uh, and he was resigned to the fact that if God wills for for me to die in this cause, then so be it. And if if not, then then God will find a way for for me to get out of this uh, mess, uh, for lack of a better term. And in fact, we see the result of that. I mean, look at where where he is today. He's not even in the country of Pakistan. He resides comfortably here in the UK and leads a global community of tens and millions of followers. And RF, I don't know if we call it ironic or what we call it, but his one message to us today is always to pray for the people of Palestine, for ourselves, for our family, for the community, whatever it is, the first words out of his mouth, um, and may God bless him, when he became caliph, was pray, yeah. pray, pray. And this is exactly what we're seeing today, whether it be in Palestine or around the world, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is leading by example, is leading through prayers and raising calls for a ceasefire uh, and uh, peace and comfort to be restored for for the people of of Palestine. And while 
And His Holiness mentioned, well, the, we don't have weapons and we don't have an army. Uh, the one thing that we have is the weapon of prayer, and that is the weapon that that we today are using as the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in this conflict. Now, as time winds down, uh, I think uh, it's worth uh, closing the program with uh, two quotes of the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, who is the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, we'll go through one arif uh, and then uh, dissect it and unpack it for a minute or two and then uh, time permitting go to the next one as well I'll actually start with the shorter of the two uh, and the promised Messiah said in his collection of books known as Rohani Chazain specifically uh, the book titled Noah's Ark or Kishti Anu in Urdu and in volume 19 page 15 he says but be not heavy hearted God merely tries you whether you are steadfast in his cause or not. If you desire that even angels should praise you in heaven, then suffer in the path of Allah with grace and remain cheerful. Hear abuse and remain grateful. And despite frustration, break not your ties with God. You are the last people raised by God, so do such deeds of piety as touch the loftiest standards of excellence. Arif, what, what do you take away from that? It's, you know, it's inspirational in terms of um, holding steadfastness, but I like also that you know, there's an aspirational kind of thing uh, there as well, talking about you know, if you desire that even angels should praise you in heaven. I think that's a wonderful wording there in terms of, um, in terms of the ultimate goal for us, you know, is to have that status where even the angels are praying for a specific person uh, because of the deeds that are being done. So yeah, it's uh, you know in a very eloquent way he's highlighted some of the key, um, you know, inspired us really to remain steadfast even in times of trial, not be heavy-hearted, don't give up, and remaining and remain cheerful, which as we spoke about earlier in the show is actually a you know key teaching of Islam is no matter what your condition to be cheerful and optimistic. So the other quote um, is a is a lengthy one, uh, but we referenced earlier a verse that talked about rain. Uh, so this quote also references rain. Uh, the quote goes as follows: The Promised Messiah says in his book. Uh, in a footnote, actually, of Brahina Ahmadiyya, Volume 2, he says, It is God's eternal law that when suffering and hardship reach their extreme, His mercy is aroused and He creates the means for the alleviation of the world's woes. For example, when drought causes a severe famine and people are about to perish, God, the noble, causes rain to fall. When there is an epidemic, and thousands begin to die, he causes some means for purifying the air or some remedy to be found. When a nation is in the grip of a tyrant, he is ultimately replaced by a just and benevolent ruler. In the same way, when people forsake the path of God and renounce Tawheed or the oneness and worship of God, he raises someone whom he grants perfect vision and honors him, with his words and revelation in order to guide mankind and bring about a reformation of the evil that has occurred. The truth is, the promised Messiah continues, that God is the sustainer on whom, on whom depends. He exists and continuity of the universe. 
He does not deprive his creatures of his benevolent attributes, nor does he suspend them. Rather, they instantly come into play when they are required. So quite a lengthy quote there. Are if, uh, any key takeaways there? Ultimately, yeah, God is the sustainer of the entire world and the universe. And, you know, when he requires to act, when there are things that do happen, that he will act. And there's history has shown testament to that. We can all, again, the pandemic springs to mind. Again, tyrannical rulers, maybe in, uh, you know, um, different countries you've seen where they have had long periods of rain and then they have been replaced. Things do happen. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, the Quran says ease will come after hardship. Indeed. So as we conclude today's exploration into the profound inspiration emanating from the resilience and faith of the Palestinian people, it's evident that amidst the harrowing scenes of conflict, stories of unwavering courage and unyielding faith have pierced through the darkness. The toll on human lives, particularly the innocent, is a stark reminder of an urgent need for peace. In the face of tragedy, the global community stands united in its call for a ceasefire, an impassioned plea to halt the suffering. However, woven into the fabric of this crisis are narratives that transcend despair, stories that speak to the enduring spirit of humanity. So as we navigate the complex landscape of the conflict in Israel and Palestine, let us strive to amplify the voices of resilience, promote understanding, and work collectively towards a world where peace prevails. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Pathway to Peace show on the Voice of Islam radio. Until next time, for RF Khan, this is Sufyan Faruqi saying Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.